0: are you tired of the rat race in america are you ready to visit the motherland to relax and rejuvenate are you ready to explore all that africa has to offer then check out the brand new diversified game academy course prepare for my first trip to africa are you worried about being able to afford the trip we got you we will show you how to travel either on a budget or as a baller learn how to stress the value of the usd did you know that 100 united states dollars is worth over one thousand south african rand or 10,000 Kenyan shillings or 54,250 West African CFA. Are you worried about taking your kids? Get the game from Kelly Cash, a bona fide world traveler, having traveled to almost 20 countries, several of those in Africa. Get the game on taking your kids on their first trips. Learn how to find the best tickets, get the visas, and plan your own adventures in Africa. Don't let Eddie Murphy have all the fun. Plan your own coming to Africa trip starring you, produced by you, and featuring you. If you are ready for a life changing experience, sign up for our course today, Diversified Game Academy. Get prepared and purchase at diversifiedgame.com.
1: My name is Owen Flynn. I live in Nairobi, Kenya. And my wife and I have three companies um, 254 Brewing Co., it's a craft beer company here. And, well, we actually have two companies. The second company is called Global Slacker Enterprises. And that company makes up Grounded, which is a line of non-toxic cleaning products, and Booch, which is a line of kombucha products.
0: This is diversified diversified.
1: Game,
2: game, game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have Owen Flynn, and this man and his wife have so many companies going on that I'm going to have you check in the description box. They started, I believe, with the cleaning company, and now they are into manufacturing kombucha and beers and all type of other things, I'm sure, down the line. But welcome to the show, brother. How are you doing?
1: Thanks, man. Thanks for, you know. Thanks
2: for having me on. Well, yeah, I had to. And I have to thank, you know, how we made it in Africa for highlighting your story. And they've been guests and, and, you know, showing some of what you have done. And I'm not gonna repeat anything that they tapped into because I want people to go check out that interview and become a um, subscriber. But I I have to ask, um, you being from Ireland, living in the States for about a decade, are are more now being in Kenya. What makes you, you know, become a nomad and say, let me go check out all these places? I mean, you graduated, what, three out of top of your class and your quantitative scores in Ireland were like amazing. So I I just want to know what type of a genius and how that genius mind works.
1: Well, we lived in America when we were kids. And I think my parents were quite nomadic moving from Ireland. out of the States. So um, then we were back in Ireland. Um, you know, we, we mostly grew up from age, you know, age nine. I was growing up in Nimerick in the West of Ireland. And then from then until 23, when I finished university, I was in Ireland and then, you know, I just I finished college and I've been kind of a bit nomadic since then, but uh, we're pretty pretty at home in Kenya. so we did a lot of traveling um, until we've got here and we're we're pretty stable here now I think
2: okay and and you I know you were in China as well um, what what prompts the moves? Is it that you see an opportunity? Um, you know some folks will say are are you getting the syndicate newsletter and saying, hey, this opportunity is is here like what prompts the move because, it's one thing for you to move, but also then to move with your wife um, and having two people, you know, motivated to pick up their life. Like, how does that that process work?
1: Well, you know, we met while we were traveling, so I think that helps. Um, and uh, so we, we were both keen travelers. Um, I was just always really excited to see the world, so... Ireland is a small place. A lot of Irish people do travel. It's a small island. It's hard to, to not leave it at some point, you know. Um, so when I finished university in 2004, me and my buddy Andre, um, we, we basically, we worked in a bank for a few months and then we took off. And we we had a goal of, to get from Ireland to um, to. Australia over land and sea you know without flying so we kind of almost did that but we just I don't know how many countries we went through but we went through West Africa we went through Eastern Europe um, across Russia and the Trans-Siberian Railway and in Mongolia was where I met my wife now wife that was about um, almost 20 years ago now something like that and um, and uh, and then we lived in we lived in New York after that, uh, her and I, for about a year. And then we got a chance to go to China. And uh, so we, we headed off to China. We worked in China for three years. Um, we kind of saw there in China firsthand just the impact of, of manufacturing on the development of the middle class, the growth of the middle class and became really um, passionate about you know getting involved in manufacturing we thought we were working corporate jobs in China so we were saving a bit of money um, and uh, when we finished our contract there we basically got a, a, a small Chinese jeep and drove it from China to South Africa and so and we, we had another big kind of year-long plus overland trip and so we spent a lot of time on that trip in in africa in eastern southern africa uh, this time around and um we just really were kind of tuned into the the, just the idea of like that there should be more manufacturing in africa and you know all the raw materials are here in africa and they tend to get shipped off overseas the value addition happens somewhere else and then we pay more for everything is more expensive, cars, phones, you know, clothes. Um, everything is um, more expensive. So we kind of tuned into this idea that, that doing the value addition locally, do, you know, getting involved in manufacturing to create jobs and create value with the raw materials that are here was what we were really interested in. So that, that's, what, that's kind of what all of our, our products are in some shape or form you know um, just things that we could locally manufacture and that we thought would be great. You know, we thought that they didn't really exist in the market. So we saw a gap there. and We thought it'd be exciting to bring, you know, craft beer into the market, to bring non-toxic cleaning products into the market, to bring kombucha into the market. So that's kind of how it happened.
2: I want to get into the manufacturing, but you know, for many of the guests they'll say, wait, you can drive from China to Africa. And yes, you can. I've heard it takes like nine days, but tell us have, you know about that process. And if you filmed any of it, like, so we can share a link, because that sounds like an adventure. Um, it's, a, it's a full documentary.
1: Yeah, we did. Yeah, well, we took a lot longer than nine days. We took about 11 months to do it. So we, um, we were not doing it in a great big hurry. Uh, we did make a four-minute video, in, which is on YouTube. Uh, it's called "Global Slacker One Day," and, and that's just a little kind of synopsis of that trip. Um, it was a lot of fun. We love that. We love overland travel. Most of the traveling that we've done has been overland, and uh, it's a, it's a nice pace to see a country get to get off the the, the beaten track a little bit. You know, get to interact with people a bit more you know um, so yeah we took you know we went we went through you know we went all across China and came out into Kazakhstan and across Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and and then down through the Middle East um, and in in into Egypt from there and um, and all the way down so once you get into once you get onto the continent it's a, it's a bit easier there's a couple of Put the car in a boat a couple of times um, on the way there. But yeah, a lot of fun before we had kids. Oh,
2: okay. And how many kids do you have? Like, and what are their ages?
1: Mm -hmm. We have two kids, a six-year-old girl and a three-year-old boy. Okay.
2: And and is that type of travel? I mean, I have two, um, two girls, 11 and seven, and we are, you know, we're all about, but um, it's It's different when you have kids. I could only imagine a long trip like that with like babies and you're having to change diapers. Uh, did kids at all um, stop some of the travel?
1: Uh, well, we had my little brother on that trip, so that was some some practice. Um, but uh, no, he was like twenty five or something, so <laughs> don't, you know. um, Well, definitely when you travel with your partner, And in our case, you know, living out of a, a a Jeep and camping a lot and all that you're in pretty close quarters. So I do think it's a, it's a good dry run for marriage. You know, Um, if, if you can kind of not kill each other after a trip like that, you're probably, you know, you've got some, some, something in your favor. So that was, but that that trip was 10 years ago, so now, obviously, kids, we had, we started having kids, like, 10, seven years ago, so, and we haven't, uh, well, well, we have traveled with the kids a bit, we drive all over Kenya, you know, all the time, Kenya's an epic place to, to adventure around, we have friends in Uganda, we've driven out there a couple of times with the kids, um, so... Yeah, but we're pretty, I mean, obviously with 2020 and everything, you know, I, we have a wedding, my sister's getting married back in Ireland in August, and when we go back, fingers crossed, it'll have been three years since we were in Ireland, so mm. definitely not flitting around the world like we used to, and obviously you have to pay for kids airline tickets and so on, so we're pretty happy just staying on the ground and not dealing with airports.
2: Well, with having not one business, you know, but multiple businesses going on and having family and and kids, uh, many people struggle with just managing, you know, business. What is your your process of, okay, we're going to open this business and, you know, how do you let go and then find a manager or how do you manage multiple businesses while having a family? Because, I mean, all are a full-time job. And, and many people you know struggle with just handling one.
1: Well, for one when you're doing when you're starting businesses, you you are your own boss. So, I know people that have much more stable lives on paper but, but don't see their kids as much because they might be forced to travel or they might be forced to be on on a call when it's bedtime, you know, so they're not putting the kids down or they might just not see their kids as much for any of those reasons so as much as our lives are very chaotic having three businesses and small kids um you know we have a pretty good balance and, and I feel quite you know blessed that we can we we get tons of time with our kids you know and we have help here as well and we just have flexibility with, you know in terms of like I'm working from home here um so I'm seeing a lot of the kids today and and catching up on what I want to do on the computer and stuff. So it might sound like it more challenging, but for me, I think it's, it is, uh, I, I having worked in corporate world and stuff at that, I think I have a greater ability to arrange my time so I can see my kids more in this life, you know?
2: okay i and I, I i'm with you i i i'm i'm in that tribe i'd, I'd rather be doing this and my, my kids are they have their teacher um and and we are able to you know do what we kind of want to do when we want to do it and and i love it with managing the businesses do you have a system maybe you'll write a book on it if you do where you say you know what we've structured this business I know the manufacturing is the big thing for you so once I have that you know system going and the factory is moving I can then dedicate my time because I have proper management that I you know might not have to see them for once a month I know um, certain entrepreneurs say I haven't been in the office in three years because you know they have the the factory going in in their business Mark Cuban uh, talks about that in, in, in books and different speeches, but how is, you know, how is that process for you? Because many folks won't let go of you know, just the day-to-day and you, you can't manage the day-to-day, I would think, you know, for every business the same. So how, how does that system work for you?
1: Well, I think in our case with manufacturing, you know, we, we kind of started off working in a very large company, of uh, thirty thousand people, and then with, you know, to down to a medium-sized company with you know, um, at twenty people, and then down to you know, starting a company on our own. So I do always advise people to to when they're coming out of college to go and get a normal job instead of you know just trying to to be an entrepreneur right away because you can see what it's supposed to look like at scale, you know. Um, and then, and then as, as you get closer to starting your own business, you have a little bit of a path where you want to get to in reverse. In our case, we've always been passionate about the actual product, you know, wanting it to be not just a little bit better, but a lot better than what's out there in the market. So we start off with the product and we spend a lot of time developing the product and getting the product to a point that we love it and doing a lot of market research and getting a lot of feedback from you know consumers and then I personally also I love brand development and you know I love uh, the combination of a great product you know wrapped up in a great brand is something that can really connect with people so that's always the fun part and you're you know you're spending time you know scribbling logos and names and ideas and and making different kinds of beers or different kinds of kombuchas or different kinds of cleaning products and using them and and, and developing them Um, and then because we have you know an engineering background and a manufacturing background we know how to you know set up small small little manufacturing lines and employ a couple of people, rent a small space and and start making things. And then you basically have the nucleus of, of, of a business, um, but everything's tiny and it, it, you know, it can't make any money unless you can scale it. And then as you're scaling it, that's the real, you know, difficult part because you're, you, you have to, you go from doing everything to letting go of things and, and and as you at each level that you're you're growing to you you can uh you, you kind of keep uh, leveling up in terms of being able to hire a dedicated person for one you know uh, particular role like you can afford now to just have a procurement manager whose job is just to buy things you know whereas in the beginning maybe you know everyone even when you have maybe five employees then um you know one person is going to be responsible for procurement and for you know uh you know manufacturing development and and something else and they're doing social media as well or, or whatever it is so so it's not only you as the entrepreneur who's doing everything in the beginning when you're only one person or two people or you're your co-founders whatever but it's at every stage when you're at five people at 10 people 50 people at 100 people those uh roles and responsibilities keep kind of uh dividing up and changing and, and getting better but each time there's a transition it, it can be it's a relief in one sense because now we have this person who's who's just responsible for procurement and it used to be done by this person who also managed logistics and uh, distribution. And she didn't really, wasn't an expert in procurement at all. And now we have this person who's spent 20 years being a procurement manager and, and they're great, you know? Um, um, but at the same time as all those things are happening and all those new like roles are, are budding, um, you have to kind of also keep the wheels on, not run out of cash and um, and, and, and make sure that you're somehow getting a cohesive team and, and people are being properly managed and, and all of that. So there's a lot of moving parts. My wife would definitely not agree that I have a system of any kind, you know. Um, but uh, she is much more uh, systematic than I am. But I, I, I think I have um I have a system all right, but it's uh my system is is probably a bit more from thirty thousand feet you know mm-hmm. uh, than than uh than all the steps in between so so the steps in between are hard for me, but I love the products and I love the brands, and so that's always keeps me motivated and that's and in, 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 you know knowing what direction i'm going you know.
2: Yeah, I've um, been a part of registering one of our clients um, in Kenya, and I, we have um, Kenya friends, family, and clients. Uh, how easy was it? or difficult um, to you know conduct business in Kenya? You know, Kenya is probably one of the more advanced countries um, in, in Africa as far as infrastructure. Um, more advanced than I, we have home in, in Cameroon. And it's, it's way more easier to conduct a certain business, but for you, you know, coming there at, you guys are as foreigners, how, how was it, um, you know, the process and would you, you know, what would you encourage other entrepreneurs to do if they wanted to follow in your
1: footsteps? Well, it took two years to get an alcohol manufacturing license. As, a, as, as an example, is probably the main example of red tape, you know, or, or bureaucracy, corruption, whatever, you know, a combination. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's definitely the best economy in the region to be starting a business, in my opinion, in terms of the consumer-based purchasing power, um, the talent base. You know, for recruitment, um, but it's still very challenging. It's not America, it's not China, etc. In terms of, um, you know, especially in terms of manufacturing, because there's very, very little manufacturing here, and what manufacturing is here is is pretty low tech. You know, so you don't see, you know, you don't see Apple send you know coming over here to start building you know iphones in, in in kenya or anywhere else in africa and 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 like what we would love to see is that is that that does happen in our lifetimes you know um so it's it's not without challenges um but i think the challenges. Ultimately why we're here and why we're not really going anywhere is because the challenges are outweighed by the um the energy that's here and the just the uh, the dynamism of the business environment, right? Like if, if you were starting a craft beer company in Florida, um someone one of my investors was telling me a couple of weeks ago, apparently, um the GDP of Kenya, the entire country, is equal to the GDP of Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. Wow! Right. I don't know what the population of Jacksonville is, but there's 50 million people in Kenya, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it, you know, it, if at, at a purely um, economic level, it would make more sense to to start a craft beer company in Jacksonville, Florida right um you know the the purchasing power the awareness the the ease of logistics distribution cold chain um all these things would be much easier but it would be so boring like i'm sure there's already like 50 or 100 or however many craft beer companies in jacksonville you know and i've no desire to be the 51st you know um but here when you go into a supermarket you're it's kind of it's, it's the wild west in in a sense that like um you know it's everything is not fully developed and and all just um at, at, a, at a kind of an end point of, of um in a sense if you know what i mean and and so there's opportunities business-wise that that are just different and um so it's it's that's i think what's exciting to us and and never mind the fact that we just really love the country the people the landscape the weather the you know the the whole environment that we are operating in every day and the people we work with you know is it's all very motivating and so um it's just fun to be doing things that are different and um and and that's where we kind of I guess get our energy and motivation from.
2: Well you you definitely I mean it, it's inspiring. You know it's inspiring with this whole, you know, you see more and more people going to the um continent, the final frontier and the expansion and you know you, you see things like Jumia where if you were to try to create Jumia in America, who knows what would have happened? You know, probably nothing because Amazon um, is it, so efficient. And I love I love Amazon. I mean, um, mm-hmm. but I also have mm-hmm. shock in Jumia because once I saw it in Nairobi, I said, oh, the Amazon of Africa. I love it. I can see the future, even though Africans would say, don't invest in that. They're finished They're You know, it, it's not as efficient but they said it's the same thing the Bezos. With the, um, the success that you're having and that you're gonna have in the future because the best is yet to come, what is a community give back that you guys are doing or that you plan to do in the future?
1: Well, our goal ultimately is to just to create jobs, you know? Um, so, But there's a lot of things I would like to do. Um, And what I would like to do in in terms of the businesses that we have now are businesses that we started uh, in our own uh, living rooms, you know, and as much as they can grow, we employ 50 people at the moment. Let's say we could grow if everything went amazingly and we have a thousand people employed, you know, in five years from now, that would be amazing, you know, but a thousand is nothing um and um so one of the things I'm thinking about and then the next uh the next phase is just can we how can we spur that development of of tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of jobs you know through manufacturing and is there a way to do it you kind of mentioned the leapfrog concept in Africa right like we we kind of for example mobile phones we never really had landlines you know there isn't a nationwide infrastructure of of landline technology, and now we don't need it so we just go went straight to to mobile phones and you could imagine with manufacturing with industrial revolution in in Africa you know every other every other country's industrial revolution has been very uh bad for the environment you know and so you could imagine um a green industrial revolution happening in africa um and so we've been looking at those kind of things for next phase in terms of uh in terms of like what we could do if if we can you know keep the wheels on in these businesses take them up to the the level that we think they can get to and you know get some money out of that Um, the next thing I think would be to try and start a fund uh, with the goal of spurring green manufacturing uh, investments in Kenya or, or in East Africa you know um so so that's like that's the way we kind of think and I'd love to do lots of other things I'd love to clean and Nairobi's rivers you know um and you know there is I mean, Kenya is an amazingly you were saying you've been here Kellen yeah, yeah 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 well so you know how green it is and and uh it's amazing and um there's this so much wildlife it would be it would be in and of course it's all at risk like everywhere else in the world of just like rapidly disappearing so it would be amazing if if you know if the environment was able to be preserved in a way that we we lost our chance to do so in in the northern hemisphere mostly you know like we killed all the large land mammals you know for example whereas is here i mean it's just large swaths of the country full of elephants and giraffes and and lions and stuff so there's a potential that the whole ecosystem hasn't yet been broken and that it could go through an industrial revolution and a a true rising of the middle class and 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 development in that sense and that's that's the way we try to think and and be focused and i don't think of you know giving back in the sense of like a csr thing i think that Whatever you're trying to do, it should be baked into your core business if, if it's possible. Because it's kind of too late to have a core business be, be plundering the planet in one sense or other. And then, you know, have a, a kind of a, a CSR program on the side. I think everybody should be really whatever your business is. You know, for us in the case of kombucha, let's say, we put in glass bottles. Be, our life would be a lot easier if we put them in plastic bottles or even in beer we use glass because i know in america you know cans are recycled but here they mostly end up in landfills so we go with glass even though it's more expensive uh you know cans cans cost about four cents glass costs about 28 cents for a bottle so you make these decisions along those paths just it's not always just the easiest economic decision you have to kind of have some conviction in, in the environmental impact of what you're doing and, you know, how you're, how you're interacting with people, how you're treating people and so on. Um, you know, not to say that we wouldn't uh, or, or or haven't fired people, you know, in the end of the day, if you're not performing, but um, we definitely... It, it wouldn't ne- it would never be the first option, you know. Like the hope, if if you're if you're trying to create jobs and you recognize that there's not a huge manufacturing infrastructure here, people don't have um, the direct experience that you want to start your business by the na- nature of the businesses that it's something that it it, it, it doesn't exist in this particular place. So, um, you know, we try to be a um, more is create a good a good training environment a good management environment not not that we're amazing at it at all especially me but um but that's what we try to do you know try to bake in the whatever good we're doing into the um into the core business
2: and and you talk about you know you you, you've traveled and you, you you've seen so much can you let especially the um the american audience know the tech that you have seen from you know even Asia to Kenya. Um, I, I remember it was a couple of years ago I took my family, we were in London. We couldn't take a bus because we weren't contactless, right? We had pounds, we had dollars, but because our contact list wasn't set up, we could catch a bus. But you you know you hear Asia's been not having to hold money for a while um, in Pesa in Kenya. You can send money in Cameroon. They send orange money and MTN. Just things are going. Um, w- since you've been able to travel, what do you see America as far as technology um, and and especially from what you saw in China? Like, are we just light years behind?
1: Is who light years behind?
2: Uh, America in terms of mobile money. More money and anything else that you have seen. Like, I remember being a kid and them saying, hey, there's a Mario 27. And we're like, what? Where? And you had to go to Japan or something. So I just want to have you give a, 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 a realistic view of how, you know, advanced is China and maybe even Africa, since China is, you know, in Africa, very heavy compared to what you saw in the States.
1: China is very present in Africa, was something that was something that we paid a lot of attention to, you know, having driven from China here and, and speaking Chinese and stuff like that. Kenya was, Kenya is, I think Kenya is kind of hailed as the the beginning of mobile money. I think it really started in Somalia, but Kenya was the first like big economy that that took it on. And I mean, yeah. I don't know. I haven't been in America recently enough to know if everyone's using Venmo or whatever it is now, but everyone has mobile money in, in Kenya. You know, you can be, um, you know, the, the the poorest guy in the street in the slum with your little Nokia phone, you, you will have M-Pesa on there. So um, it's completely accepted as, as currency, you know, Um and it's very, very efficient. The fees are very low, and it's yeah it's another great example of that leapfrog um, concept again so what else uh what else do we have here that's ahead of the curve? well I mean look I'm talking to you on on uh, on the internet here i mean the the internet in Nairobi is usually when I'm if i'm zoom calling with people in Ireland or America, if it's a bad connection, nine times out of 10, it's the Irish connection or the American connection. I mean, our our internet here is we stream everything, you know, um, everything we watch, you know, we have Netflix, you know, it's seamless, high, high quality. We have a projector in our living room and, you know, um, it's fantastic. You know, Um, I think, I mean, Kenya is on the equator and it's high altitude. Nairobi's at about about six thousand feet, right? So, on the equator, I think higher than you know Denver or, or whatever. Um, so it has an amazing cli- uh, climate. Sorry, and um, and everything grows here, you know. So, you know, for 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 me also, like. I would love, there's a lot of stuff is going on with technology and, and agriculture. And, you know, I would love to also somehow be part of, of that revolution where, um, we could be, you know, Kenya could start really producing more high value crops, you know, um, but we're growing like corn and, you know, more basic commodities at the moment, um, and it, it, it there is stuff going on in terms of 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 technological leaps that that may be coming in in that in that field but i'm not really an expert so i don't know i mean uh, the, like we can like th- there's obviously very many challenges you know as well i mean the roads are not good you know um uh, the the we are lacking in a lot of basic like physical infrastructure things that hold back, that hold us back in like limit um, ability of doing business, you know? Um, So I don't know. Um, We have a few nice, good examples like M-Pesa and mobile phones and stuff like that. But unfortunately it's usually these technological leaps are things that we can import easily, you know, and we can code them here right but but uh, going to ban- again back to the manufacturing thing i think if we were uh, building things more here on the ground um i think our that ability would would accelerate you know
2: yeah and and with the beer um you know like many kenyans we know um president kenyatta loves beer has he <laughs> been able to taste your beer or have you been able to use him as a an influencer yet to you know, no, I'll
1: take, I'll take, um, I'll take the hookup if you have it. I haven't, I haven't managed to get her to, to uh, This is my daughter here, Kellen. Do you want to say hi? If you're gonna sneak in here, you can at least say hi. Okay, come in. Hi,
0: buddy. Hey, how are you doing?
1: You gonna introduce yourself?
2: Um, yeah.
1: This is my daughter. Today.
2: <laughs> nice to meet Are you. Too, okay? Okay. okay,
1: I mean I'm in the middle of a chat here. Okay, yes. all right. I'll, I'll
2: give. i daddy. Let me ask daddy two more two more questions, maybe. And um, and and so no Kenyatta. I have other influencers that I can definitely you know share their profiles with you um off air and you know. See if they could be of use to your campaigns. Um, I, I see in in Kenya, I see Kibera as being um, a place of, you know, there's so much opportunity depending on what they allow to be sold um, down the line. But I, I can see, I can see it. I've been there, and I'm like, wow, I see the art, I see the flavor. It just takes, you know, uh, probably a government effort which most things in Africa you need, because even where you can buy land, do you see yourself in the next 15 years being in Kenya or is the nomad in you saying, let me set up these businesses and then, you know, Fiji or Puerto Rico is next?
1: You know, when we moved here, and I I used to always just tell people we're gonna move to Peru in, in three years time or something, but I would like to travel to South America. I've never been there before. I've never been to Fiji before and lots of other places. Um, But I think Kenya is really home now. I mean, it's here or Ireland, you know. um, But I just don't know what to do in Ireland. You know, I've never really worked there, you know, since I was in college working in bars and stuff like that. So I don't exactly know uh, the 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 space as well, so I think the ultimate kind of retirement goal for us, and and especially with the kids here, schools are very expensive here. So the goal is kind of to be able to afford to put the kids in school here, and um, and to to kind of travel back to Ireland, and in the states and stuff, you know, for maybe two months a year. Okay. Uh, so okay. so that, that's that's the kind of goal, and then to to buy some land here and to to be based here.
2: And, and I have to ask because um, my I, I call her my, my PR sister. Olive is right there in Kenya. Any plans on being on the lion's den? And I also want to know if, if so or if not, how have you found it? Is it easy to get investment? And I, I don't want you to talk about the amount because I want them to go to how we made it in Africa to read um, how much you got. But is it easy to conduct investment there? Are you finding that your friends in China, your friends in the West are the ones who are investing? So those are two two of my final questions, the lion's den and how is investment um, in Kenya?
1: You know, um, I, I was invited onto the lion's den one time and I, I declined because I thought we were not at all ready. Um, uh, but... Um, most of the money we've raised has been uh, foreign uh, investment. Um, we, we, we've raised a little bit of money locally. It, it, it gets, you know, each time we do around, we do a little bit better with local investors, you know? Um, I guess uh, there's more money in America and Europe anyways. So there's more, you know, the deeper well to tap, I guess. And, you know, we, these days, our network is, is, is bigger here, but, you know, from when we were starting off and stuff like that, it's probably easier to tap into, to those networks that we had, you know, existing relationships with and people that knew us and had had worked with us and were kind of backing us to succeed either on the US side or Ireland or Europe or whatever. Um, so we've been doing, you know, we've been doing a lot of work in, in the, the way that we raise money. And another thing that I'd like to do in the longer term is, is to prove that model, uh, to be successful and then to try and apply it, uh, to Kenyan businesses and, uh, with, with, the local investor market here. So, because we have been, um, what I can say about the way we've raised money is we're very closely aligned with our investors. We're highly incentivized for them to succeed and vice versa. And we've so far touch wood, um, we've been able to raise money very quickly, you know? So in previous um, companies that I was involved in, you know, we would spend a lot of time with the CEO or the, the executive team would spend a huge amount of time reporting to investors. And often I saw that as at the expense of focusing on the business. And so we've had a really good balance in that respect with the way that we've raised money. So
2: no, no, I, I thank you for, for giving the game. I don't want to give them an overload because I want them to one go check out your your article. To um, go get a ticket because I don't think at this point with the way things are going they can order offline and taste the uh, beer. I know that um, Kenya 2022 uh, yeah. we we have plans to um, come back and and so I I'm just uh, I'm happy to connect here and then to taste it
1: um, the the
2: brew and oh, great. You
1: know. I see your Kenya bracelet by the way, nice one.
2: Oh, yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. I I, I keep the Kenya bracelet. You know, you take it off your your friends and family. They'll say, hey, where is it? The same thing. I have my Ethiopia bracelet on as well, people. Um, You know, but yeah, we're going to take this great conversation offline because we're going to talk influencers, folks, and I'm going to send over some stuff via WhatsApp. So thank you for coming on.
1: Super. Thanks. Great to meet you, Kellen. And definitely let us know if Uh, when you're in town next year if you are it would be great to hang out in person and and, uh, give you a fresh Kenyan made IPA guys, I'm Kai Gabyam from the Diaspora Channel, a lover of Africa. If you love Africa as well, and you would love to visit one day or to relocate to Africa, there is a course out there for you. And this course is my first trip to Africa. A course well put together by a seasoned traveler, Kellen Cash Coleman. This course is designed to prepare you to travel better, which will save you both time and money. And the great news is this course costs only $20, guys. It can't get any better. Go right now and enroll to this course at www.divertifygame.com.